Hello this is Diksha from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 11th of April. India recorded more than 152000 COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours while the total COVID tally crossed 1 crore 33 lakh. Over 800 deaths linked to the virus were reported in the same period and the death toll went past 1 lakh 69000. Amid multiple states reporting vaccine shortages, India began a 4-day vaccination festival or Tikka Utsav today as announced by the Prime Minister on Thursday while holding a meeting with chief ministers of states and union territories to take stock of the covid situation the prime minister had said and i quote we should inoculate as many eligible people as possible and target zero wastage unquote meanwhile more than 7 states have said that they are facing a vaccine shortage Telangana yesterday told the center that its vaccine supplies would last only for 3 more days. It asked the center to provide 30 lakh vaccines for the approaching 15 days. Punjab and Delhi also told the center that they were dealing with vaccine shortages yesterday amid a surge in covid cases. Vaccination centers in several states including Maharashtra have been closed, shutting early or turning people away owing to insufficient supplies. Delhi Chief Minister Arvind Kejriwal today said that the recent spike in cases in the capital was quote unquote much more dangerous than its third covid peak. The minister said and I quote over 10000 covid-19 cases were reported in Delhi in the last 24 hours. This is a worrisome situation. People below the age of 45 should also be vaccinated to break the cycle of coronavirus. unquote. In an effort to contain the recent spike in cases, Delhi yesterday announced fresh restrictions limiting the number of people allowed at restaurants bars public transport and gatherings the maharashtra government meanwhile hinted that a full lockdown could be imposed across the state maharashtra registered more than 55000 infections on saturday now for a brief update on global covid numbers covid-19 has infected more than 135 million people in the world so far and more than 2.9 million people have lost their lives to it global recoveries meanwhile crossed 79 million Our story of the week this time is the gun battle in Chhattisgarh between Maoist and security forces where 22 security personnel lost their lives. We shall come back to this later during the episode. The election commission yesterday banned politicians from entering West Bengal's Kooch Behar district for 3 days. This came after four people were killed in firing by central forces during the fourth phase of voting for the assembly elections. In light of the incident, The poll body also extended the silence period for the next phase of voting from 48 hours to 72 hours. This will lead to political parties cutting short their campaigning period before the approaching phase which is scheduled for the 17th of April. The EC said yesterday that the clashes had broken out outside a polling booth in the district after local residents attacked security forces owing to a misunderstanding. It added that CISF personnel were trying to help a boy who had fallen ill near the polling booth in Sitalkuchi while local residents thought that he was being beaten up leading them to call about 300 to 350 villagers to the spot The EC stated that security forces had quote unquote no option but to open fire to save their lives and government property Following the incident voting was adjourned at the polling booth A blame game ensued between the TMC and BJP in the aftermath of the violence Calling it a planned attack, TMC Chief Minister Mamata Banerjee said that Home Minister Amit Shah was quote-unquote completely responsible for the incident and demanded his resignation. Commenting on the incident again today, she said that it was genocide. On the other hand, Prime Minister Narendra Modi said and I quote, What happened in Kooch Behar is sad. 
I offer condolences to bereaved families. Mamta Didi and her goons are jittery because of the groundswell of support for the BJP. Unquote. Rajesh Kundu, a journalist in Haryana, was booked under charges of cyber terrorism and promoting communal disharmony over messages that he had allegedly posted on social media. This led to fellow journalists protesting the action taken against him, the Indian Express reported. Kundu, who runs a news portal and also works for a TV channel from Hisar, has been extensively covering the ongoing farmers' agitation. The FIR against Kundu was lodged on the complaint of one Bikram, a police spokesperson in Hisar. His complaint mentions a Facebook post in which Kundu allegedly stated that a script was being prepared for a caste-related violence in Hisar. Vikram alleged that Kundu was working to quote-unquote incite common men. He claimed that the post would have an adverse impact on national integrity. The complaint invoked sections related to promoting communal disharmony, actions prejudicial to national integration and cyber-terrorism of the IT Act. Kundu was subsequently booked on April 9. Opposition parties also joined journalists in criticising the government, stating that journalists can't be suppressed with these tactics. Denying the charges, Kundu said that he had performed his duty as a responsible citizen and journalist by sharing a post regarding his apprehension about the potential violence on the occasion of B.R. Ambedkar Jayanti on April 14. He said that the post was based on information received through sources and that he merely wanted to alert people so that such a situation could be averted. In an effort to pacify diplomatic tension, John F. Kirby, the press secretary of the United States Department of Defense, has said that the U.S. warship that had entered India's exclusive economic zone near Lakshadweep was just making an innocent passage. The warship USS John Paul Jones had passed through the exclusive zone in Arabian Sea without taking India's permission on April 7. The U.S. Navy said that it had conducted a military exercise within India's exclusive economic zone without taking New Delhi's permission. Following this, the Indian External Affairs Ministry had expressed concerns to the United States through diplomatic channels. The ministry had said in a statement that as per international convention, countries were not authorised to carry out military exercises in exclusive zones. In his statement, however, the Defence Press Secretary of the US claimed that the country's freedom of navigation operations were consistent with the international law. Coming back to our story of the week. On Thursday, Maoist forces in Chhattisgarh released abducted CRPF commando Rakeshwar Manhas, who had gone missing after the Maoist ambush on security forces last week. The ambush had left 22 security personnel dead and more than 30 injured. Three days after the attack, on April 6, the Maoists revealed that Manhas was in their custody. They asked the government to appoint mediators for his release. The next day, they also released a photograph of Manhas sitting under the shade of a hut in his combat clothes, possibly at a Maoist camp. Manhas was finally released on the 8th of April following an attempt at mediation led by an 11-member delegation of local journalists, social activists and local leaders. He was a part of the team of nearly 450 security personnel who had come under fire in one of the most deadly attacks in recent years. The attack happened after multiple teams of security forces went on an anti-Maoist operation in the forest near Tarim in Bijapur district on April 2. More than 2,000 personnel belonging to the Security Reserve Police Force and its unit Commando Battalion for Resolute Action or COBRA, the District Reserve Guard and the Special Task Force were involved in the operation. 
According to the Indian Express, the security forces had planned to travel to areas near South Tarim on April 2nd and return the next evening on the 3rd of April. They were ambushed while returning from the operation. Six teams were launched for the operation. Three of them travelled into the deeper reaches of the forest and consequently came under fire in the four-hour-long gun battle. On April 3, five bodies were recovered from the site of the encounter, but authorities had anticipated the toll to rise in a few hours. By the next day, 17 more bodies were recovered. The Chhattisgarh police have said that the security operation was based on intelligence inputs indicating that Madhvi Hidma, the commander of the Chhattisgarh Maoist battalion, was present in the region. Security officials also told the Indian Express that the ambush was well-planned, indicating that Maoists may have had prior information about the operation. One of the survivors said that the security team was attacked by 400 Maoists from three sides. Another pointed out that there were red flags that raised suspicion along the way, stating that two villages near the forest were completely empty when they arrived. Yet, the Chhattisgarh police maintain otherwise. In his latest report on Newslaundry.com, Pratik Goyal spoke to the police chief of Chhattisgarh's Bastar district, who denied that the security forces were lured into a trap. Inspector General Sundar Raj Patilingam also told Pratik about what this attack will mean for the attempts at brokering peace between Maoists and the government. You can find Pratik's detailed interview on newslaundry.com. It is titled, Bastar Police Chief on Naxal Attack. No, our forces weren't lured into a trap. The Maoist forces in the region have maintained for years that they are fighting on behalf of the poorest for more jobs, land and wealth from natural resources. They say that they represent the demands of the country's indigenous communities. For decades, the groups have led an armed insurgency against the government, operating from the thick forests of Chhattisgarh. Given how sensitive the issue is, what is the role of the media? It's to report responsibly and accurately. And yet, this is precisely where the newspaper Dhenik Bhaskar went wrong. On April 5, the Hindi Daily published photographs and cited videos on its website that purportedly showed scenes from the Chhattisgarh attack. The report called them pictures and videos from the Bijapur encounter. My colleague Pratik decided to fact-check their report and found that the newspaper had actually published photos from a film shoot that took place in Bastar a few months ago. Dainik Bhaskar's defence is that they didn't verify the images. To know more, go to newslaundry.com and read the full report titled Chhattisgarh Gunfight. Dainik Bhaskar's exclusive photos are actually from a film shoot. Big media houses have huge teams and news bureaus and yet they often let these things slide. At News Laundry, we are a small team that strives to bring you factual and accurate stories that matter. Legacy media houses might be funded by ad revenue from the government and corporates, but we rely on our subscribers to do the work that we do. But we need your support. If you aren't a subscriber already, now is the time to join the movement to support independent media and pay to keep news free. Go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner today. Subscriptions start as low as 300 rupees a month. Now for some news from the world of pop culture and social media. A video of two medical students from Kerala dancing to the song Rasputin by the 70s band Bonnie M recently went viral and garnered praise for lifting spirits as the medical fraternity deals with the new wave of COVID-19. Days after Naveen K. Razak and Janki Omkumar from Kerala's Thrissur Medical College became popular for their video, their dance was given a communal colour as they belong to different religious communities. 
On 9th April, Kerala High Court lawyer Krishna Raj wrote in a Facebook post and I quote, I smell something wrong here. Janki's parents should be careful. And if they are careful, they won't have to be sorry later. Unquote. Adding to the narrative, Twitter users also questioned the two students, trending a communal hashtag on Friday. Showing solidarity with their peers and countering the communal jibes, more medical students from their college began uploading their own dance videos to the tune of Rasputin. The videos soon garnered praise on Twitter and started being reshared with the hashtag Step with Rasputin. They also drew support from Tiruvananthapuram Congress MP Shashi Tharoor. And now for an international update. As Indonesia was reeling from a cyclone disaster earlier this week, an earthquake of magnitude 6 struck the coast of the main Java island, killing at least 8 people. The quake hit offshore on Saturday, about 45 kilometers southwest of Malang City in East Java, damaging houses, schools, government offices and mosques. It also injured several people, said disaster agency spokesman Raditya Jati. One of the people killed was a woman struck by falling rocks while riding a motorcycle in East Java's Lumajang district, Jati said, adding that several communities had been evacuated. He added that more than 1,100 homes and 150 public facilities, including schools, hospitals and government offices, were damaged. Rescuers recovered four bodies from the rubble in the Kali Uling village. Three people were also confirmed killed by the quake in Malang district. The earthquake comes after the country was hit by a cyclone that killed more than 200 people this week in the eastern part of Indonesia and neighbouring East Timor. Indonesia experiences frequent quakes and volcanic eruptions due to its position on the Pacific Ring of Fire of tectonic fault lines. Before I wrap up, I'd like to remind you to check out some homegrown stuff from newslaundry.com. Covering politics and politicians is a routine part of the lives of journalists. But did you know that journalists sometimes engage in political feuds of their own? That's what happened at the Press Club of India, which yesterday held one of its most contentious elections in recent years. On the one hand, there was a panel that has been in charge since 2010 and seen as a leftist liberal clique with not many familiar faces. And on the other was a group of working journalists from better-known media organisations but who are accused of not being liberal enough. For their latest report, News Laundry's Basant and Ayush spent three days at the press club and witnessed firsthand the intense election campaigns led by journalists to stake claim over the institution that is gradually losing its prestige. So, what happens when a journalist turns into a neta? Can we then be surprised if politicians treat journalists in the same way? Read Basant and Ayush's report on newslaundry.com to find out. It is titled, The Journalist as Neta inside the heady world of press club politics. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.